this is actually my third attempt at doing an intro to the podcast. To the podcast, Too Lazy to Write, that you're listening to. Maybe it's late at night. How long can I keep this rhyming thing going? That's it. Uh, The real John Baker here with you, talking uh, to you, talking in your ear holes. Um, And what are we talking about this week? Well, excuse me. Uh, the last podcast, part, podcast number 13, or as I'm going to refer to it now, the Bar Mitzvah podcast, um, it's when my podcast became a man, uh, was my interview with John Ford of the Monks and the Straubs and Hudson Ford. I was going to say Hudson Hawk, but more than Hudson Hawk. Although I did pay good money to see that in the movie theaters. Uh, who was the love interest in the movie Hudson Hawk? Oh, I'll give you that answer just after this commercial break. Thanks for listening to Too Lazy to Write. Too Lazy to Write, the podcast sponsored by Latex Balloons. Latex Balloons for all your party needs. Now back to our podcast. The answer was Andy McDowell. Andy McDowell. That's right. So I spoke with John Ford. And this week, this edition, uh, podcast number 14... I speak with, all the way from Los Angeles, California, by by way of New York City, by way of Glasgow, Scotland, I speak with Angela McCluskey. Who is Angela McCluskey, you may ask? Angela McCluskey, back in the 90s, was the voice in a band called the Wild Colonials. Uh, since then, they, well, they, they put out two albums. Uh, they put out an album called Fruit of Life, followed up by an album called This Can't Be Life. And uh, Angela McCluskey has put out a number of uh, her own solo albums, uh, one with Curio, uh, or one is called Curio. Uh, what else? She's put out uh, a charity song uh, where she did a cover of Here Comes the Sun. She put out the album You Could Start a Fight in an Empty Room as well as her most recent offering, which is called The Roxy Sessions, and it's available. They're all available, actually, on iTunes for download. And I uh, badgered her a lot through text messages, and um, she was so gracious to sit down and talk to me for a few minutes, and it was just a dream again uh, to talk to her. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, The audio goes in and out at points, but the overall messages are there. She was lovely, and uh, I hope you enjoy listening to it once again as much as I enjoyed talking. Uh, So here you go, Angela McCluskey on the telephone from Los Angeles, California. Hello? Angela. Hi there, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. uh, I hope it's okay. I've started recording. I just figured we'd... We'd uh, get the formalities and pleasantries out of the way and then just keep going. Yeah. You, uh, I have to tell you this, you have no idea how great this is to talk to you. This is something I've wanted to do for a long time, and I really appreciate you coming on this very little podcast that hopefully will grow. Fun, darling. It's fun. Sorry it's taking so long. I'm like, I... It's okay. You're very busy. <laughs> I just moved here, so it's not exciting, glamorous things I'm busy with. Well, some of them are glamorous, but most of them are just like, you know. I know. I understand. We're we actually just bought a house here in Virginia that we're moving in a few weeks. So nice. I'm not looking forward to it though. I know it's very traumatic, but I'm sitting in a gorgeous garden. Mm-hmm. What 
a video of the British. We had a British Sunday lunch yesterday with all our friends, and it ended up with us all singing Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, I will, okay. I will send to you afterwards in the bedroom. It was hysterical. Very, very funny. And this is, um, for my listeners, in Los Angeles, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're in Los Angeles. And how is that? You, you were in New York, right? Yeah, I was in New York for about 10 years. I thought I was there for only a week. When I looked around, it was 10 years. I went there because of telepop music, because it was closer to Paris, you know? Okay. And being living here and doing telepop meant I could never visit home. So I thought I would be there for a couple of years. I mean, I like New York, but if I'm going to leave Britain, you know, I want to go somewhere a bit more a bit more glamorous, a bit more different, something with a bit more of a, you know, a... a you know, sun, sea, and sand rather than rain, grey, and wet. Well, if I've learned anything from your Instagram account, it's that you love uh, the beach. I know I do, actually. Well, I love taking photographs at the beach. You do? I'm you not t- a sunshipper. I never sunbathe, weirdly enough. I never no, sunbathe in my life. You take the most... Do you put a filter on those, or is that just your... No, no, I, I, I take pictures, and then... Um, I sometimes I'll mess with them a little bit, but there's, you know, I don't use like fancy apps or it. And I just use your basics of like, you know, focusing and contrast, that kind of stuff. But I don't use filters really. That just ruins the picture, you know. They're very marvelous. They, they, a lot of them had a very like, um, you know, 1950s and 60s feel to. to yeah, they, that's because it was Rockaway in, in uh, New York. Rockaway Beach is like, an amazing com- compilation, uh, you know, it's, it's every single country in the world is represented there. Okay. You've got people in burkas in the water. Uh-huh. And you've got Jamaicans and then you have um, Indians with the saris. It's so beautiful, all the colours and, oh, it's just wonderful. And then you have the Italian mamas sitting, you know, with their leg, their, their trousers rolled up, like giving all the kids the food. And it's just wonderful. I love Rockaway Beach. It's, it's amazing. It's, um, it's sort of like a, a, a perfect time capsule. Yeah, and that's my other love. My other love is like you know art, design, painting, which is what I was thought I would be. I never thought I would be a singer in a million years. Well, it's funny because you talk about um, painting, and I, I did notice also on your Instagram, and I don't want you to think I'm a crazy person, but you you paint a lot of your husband's jackets. Is that uh, is that true? Well, I'm kind of starting this company. I started that by. Uh, like a sort of like extreme moment at Christmas Eve once when I didn't have anything for him and I was a bit tipsy and I decided to paint his Alexander McQueen. So of course he woke up the next day and I had painted it and luckily he liked it. Okay. And then from then on, I, I, you know, old season stuff that people tend not to wear, but they're really still beautiful. I started to kind of upcycle them. You know, I'd take an old Burberry raincoat and paint it and everything's always different. And we kept getting chased in the street and people kept asking us where he got it. And so I decided to start a company. So okay. I'm starting a company with that. And so when is that happening or is that happening already? Oh, as soon as I get back, we'll start the, you know, this commission. You know, people can either send me their old like season stuff or I'll make. I'm trying not, I'm trying to avoid making stuff. I don't particularly want, I love old vintage clothes. I love the cut and the cloth and I'd rather just paint stuff. And then I've got, obviously, I, you know, I go to thrift stores and buy stuff. So yeah. it's, it's a really, you know, everything's like a one-off painting. So if they buy it, they get this one-off that nobody in the world has, basically. Oh, that's fantastic. That's yeah, that's the point. So 
Um, that actually, it's one of my questions I wanted to ask about, because I was digging around on your website, and I noticed that you had been featured in a few different publications, your apartments, uh, in your Oh, apartment. yeah, yeah. So, like, how would you describe your style? Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, that's what we were just singing. No, it's just, it's, that's, that's what the, the Wall Street Journal did, six pages in the magazine, and they called it, you know, like, at home with the Bohemians, basically, and they compared us to Virginia Woolf and the, the bright young things of the 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 early twenties. You know, the the Bloomsbury set. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard of them, but there was this, a bunch of people called the Bloomsburys, and it was Vanessa Bell and Virginia Woolf, and it was a bunch of painters, and they would paint all the furniture, and that's where I got the idea. That's where I started painting furniture, and now I've discovered chalk paint, which is an absolute dream. You oh. can paint ouches, you can paint anything, so. Right now, I'm, I was watching a tutorial on chalk painting your furniture, so I'm just about to attack some stuff before I go in the studio. So yeah, what, you're going in the studio. What are you? Are you working on something new now? At the moment, um, well, bandwise, I'm working on. I've just finished a single with a band called the Cinematic Orchestra. Okay. And I'm hoping that comes out in their next new record because I love that band, and. I'll probably do something with um there's a band called the guy called Jimmy Lavelle who had a band called the Album Leaf. And I'm probably gonna do a project with him. And then I'll write more with Morgan Page and um I've just got a new A and R guy at Riptide, my company, so I, I you know, I just write with people that I like. I don't particularly I'm going over to Scotland now to the Ember Film Festival and we're gonna play the new album, the Roxy Sessions. Okay. We'll do that and then we'll go to Glasgow, um, my hometown. And I'll be playing there for the first time in years. That'll be amazing. Um, but as far as like writing, right now I'm working on a film, a, a film, a Scottish film, that, uh, a director. I don't, do you remember Max Headroom? Yes, of TV course. Show? Yeah. Right. Well, the the director of that, Annabelle Jankel, um, she's made a movie called um, Tell It to the Bees. It's a wonderful movie set in the fifties in Glasgow. And so I'm doing like um, old fifties songs, like Stormy Weather and. Lullaby on Broadway, that kind of thing. So that's what I'm doing in the studio. Well, I, I actually I wanted to talk about that because the Roxy Sessions, which I I absolutely love this album. Um, it has a like, uh, there's a lot of different styles. I, I I think. Well, that was the whole point. Okay. Because I felt that in this day and age, there's no such thing as an album because people don't buy albums. Right. Anymore. They'll buy the single, but you don't have to buy the album. So sometimes you do, but. Most of the time, people just buy the single they want. So what I decided to do was take advantage of that and 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 explore all the things that I loved. And I've been doing um, music for Boardwalk Empire, mm-hmm. and I love that twenties feel. I love singing with a sixteen-piece orchestra. Um, but I noticed that they were doing only covers, and I thought it would be a real challenge to try and write some original twenties songs. See if I could do that and add a bit of a a, a modern beat to it and see how it sounded. And um, it's the sort of music that Woody Allen will use in his movies, you know, that really fabulous 20s music. So, Absolutely. Um, that's where um, uh, Not Crying Anymore, Let's Get Lost, uh, Say Hello, um, uh, um, Eight Stories High, that all came from the inspiration of Boardwalk Empire. And then I worked with um, um, Kiran Shahani, who was in Supreme Beings of Leisure and Bittersweet, and we basically just added a bit of a modern thing to it. And then I thought, well, that's that done. What else do I love? And then I love um, Francoise Hardy, um, who's a French pop singer from the 60s. So I 
tried to hit a couple of like notes in that direction, which was um, Paris to Hollywood and You and Me. And then the next one was Turn Out the Light. So I wanted to go like James Bond, 60s, that's, 70s. That's exactly, I was going to say it had a very uh, like Goldfinger, Shirley Bassey yeah. sort of. I do like 20s. I went 20s, 50s, 70s. Then I did like the 90s hit and run, which is very sort of, you know, like surf guitar kind of thing. Yeah. Then what did I do? Then I did a big reggae dub, which I've always wanted to do. Um, what else is on there? Uh, and then a little bit of Astro Goberto with Insufficient Feeling. And um, I think that was it. But I mean, it was just basically, as somebody called it, it was genre hopping. And um, KCRW here, Chris DeRita, said he thought it was my best album. So I was really excited because I got to do everything. Normally when you do everything you want, people, it's very self-indulgent and people hate it, you know. No, but this but, was this was perfect. It, like you said, it was very genre all-encompassing. Yeah. yeah, and it got it literally got everything I wanted out of my system, you know. And then the dance stuff, you know, with Big Gigantic and and Morgan Page and Cinematic Orchestra. That's all stuff that I can do outside of my own stuff. So it's hard being a musician these days because I've been very lucky. You know, I've had two enormous deals with Geffen and Blue Note, and I've been spoiled, and I've got to, you know, I've had my share of. You know, I've done all the big festivals. Telepop Music was an enormous band and we would play with like a real band on stage in front of like 100,000 people and it was an amazing experience, but it wasn't something that I really wanted to repeat because it was exhausting. But I, um, I find um, on some tracks, not, not on that album, but on other albums, like your voice has almost like a very vulnerable, um, sympathetic uh, tone to it. Has, has anyone ever said that before? Well, have you been reading any of the press? <laughs> no, I'm going. I'm going on my own here. Well, if you read the, the press, the, a lot of the press is very. It's always very holy. They always end up. They don't say that with like Wild Colonials, which was my first band, which is more of a rock band. But especially with um, with telepop music, I get the sort of Billy Holiday thing. And the thing is, we all have timbers to our voice, mm -hmm. you know, and everybody has a certain timber, you know, it's like, it's just a human thing when you hear a voice, you're like, oh, that sounds like you always want to compare it to something. So I get strange comparisons from Stevie Nicks to Macy Gray to Amy Winehouse to, 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 to Nina Simone to, you know, so I get the whole gamut. And I think I'm lucky in that I can, I can kind of sing that like really vulnerable jazz kind of stuff. And then I can do really heart heavy core rap music. Then I can do big electronic dance stuff. So I suppose I can like sing in any way, really. And I think, you know, I, my favorite. Have you ever heard of a record called Curio? Of what? Sorry. I have an album called Curio. Have you heard Curio? Yeah. Okay. I, I haven't listened no? to it recently. Now. All right. Well, Curio is um is uh, a C U R I O. It's a record I made about fifteen years ago, where we sneaked into the Warner Brothers lot. My friend was working there doing sound. And we sneaked in in the middle of the night, just cello, piano, violin, and tabla. And we did my eight favorite songs, which was the, you know, Tom Waits, Soldier's Things, David Bowie, Lady Grinning Soul, uh, Leonard Cohen, Famous Blue Raincoat. And then we did a couple of standards like Nina Simone, Nat King Cole. And that's literally my favorite record. It's absolutely gorgeous. So it's good to put that in your podcast. And that, that never stops selling. It sells more than any other record that, I have. I, you know what? I do remember that because you had that wonderful version of the Leonard Cohen song, Famous Blue Raincoat. And, uh, yeah. And um, there's like funny Valentine and stuff like that, which ended up in like 
um, Grey's Anatomy. You know, right. they, they all end up TV and movies, which is fabulous. And you did have. Um... Sorry, you, I, I, I've been meaning to ask you this for a long, long time about the Wild Colonials, who I did see, I saw you played with uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket at a bar in Ottawa. Oh, in, uh, Where? Where was it? Ottawa, Canada. I'm originally Canadian, and then we moved to the States. Oh, wow. Um, and you, and I had been working, I was going, I was in college in a radio broadcasting program, and we were playing Girl as, on, the, on our station. Oh, wonderful. And, uh, and then I, I didn't put two and two together until you started singing it. Um, <laughs> and funny. then, so that was on uh, Fruit of Life, but I need to ask you this. I've been, it's been mm. bugging me for years. So at the end of Fruit of Life, the last track is Dear Mike. Yeah. And then we, we go a few years later, we turn on This Can't Be Life, and mm. at the very beginning we hear the low strains, I guess, of Dear Mike. Are we supposed yeah. to listen to these back to back? Is that like what um, you... no? It was just kind of a little joke, you know. It was just kind of a, like the continuation of life because all the, the the themes of all the, in those days you could kind of have still a concept album. Mm-hmm. So it was it was just my life carrying on. So I think I don't know where that came from. I mean, I can't. I think it was Chad Blake who mixed that record, and Chad Blake is now an enormously famous producer but in those days he was a mixer with Mitchell Froome and he only worked with like Tom Waits and and Elvis Costello and when I did my first record we went to real world Peter Gabriel's place okay and 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 in actual fact we ended up recording nothing because that was the first time and only time I lost my voice I was so overwhelmed you know within uh I'd been here like like nine months and, and I got a record deal and I kept saying no because basically it was illegal and I was terrified and then I just kept getting offered more and more deals I'd be playing this little club every Tuesday night in Hollywood and so finally my, my boyfriend is American so I basically said you have to ask me to marry you so we got married <laughs> and then I decided to say yes and I said yes to Geffen Records with a guy called Tony Berg who was like amazing and um. I ended up with that just just incredible bunch of musicians. We went to Real World and lost my voice, which was very funny because the night before we'd gone, um, our first demo had been paid for by Chad Smith and the Chili Peppers because his wife was a big fan and he wanted us to have a record. So he made our demo and produced it and played drums with us for quite a while. Oh. And we played the Troubadour in LA the night before we left to go to Real World. And we went into Sunset Sound in Hollywood and played the whole record live more or less with Chad Blake and when we came back that ended up being the first route of live record that was a live record he mixed it but it was you know it was basically done in a studio I couldn't really add anything to it so he did an amazing job so that was the story of that spent all that money at Peter Gabriel's and came back and used you know like a two track that we'd done the night before we left It is. It still is one of my favorite uh, albums. It still gets high rotation on my on my on, in my car. So funny, I can't even. Do it. I think I sound so. My voice sounds so low. It's like, and then I did. Did um, I did play a World Colonial? We just did a show last September here at the Troubadour where I played the new record. I opened with the Wild Colonials. I got the Wild Colonials together uh, again after wow. 15 years. And we played, and when I tried to sing the songs at this, the, the rehearsal, I was freaking out. I was like, oh, my God, oh, these really? are so difficult to sing, you know? But oh. In actual fact, I managed to put through, but, but they were much, much harder than I thought. 
they're all that mm-hmm. whole album is just it's an amazing wonderful album i love it oh i'll, I'll send you some on on for these tracks oh you're such a fan okay I... the, there's a third record where we came out with some really fantastic songs on it did, I'll dig them up and send them to you. I appreciate that. Did did you ever uh, meet oh. Dear Mike? Did you ever meet Mr. Scott? Oh, yes, I did. I did. Weirdly enough. Because um, Geffen kept trying to introduce me and I was like, nah, I don't want to meet him because he might be an ass, you know. <laughs> hate meeting people that I really like. Yeah. And uh, and then one night I was doing a big show in New York at the Cabin of Wonders with John Wesley. And... Uh, Mike was one of the guests and we met and he said, I hear you've got a song and I hear we've been supposed to meet forever. And he's Scottish and we got on like, I mean, him and Paul Buchanan from the Blue Nile are two of my favourite singers. Weirdly enough, my favourite singers are all Scottish, just by mistake. The other one is like Cocteau Twin. And um, Annie Lennox, you know, it's and Bill and Sebastian. It's very funny that my, these are the people that I, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm looking for them to be Scottish. They just are, which is weird. But Paul Buchanan, I think, has got the... Do you know the Blue Nile? Yeah. Yeah. I did, amazing. I did actually have an opportunity a few years ago to meet uh, Mike Scott, and uh, I, I did mention the song to him. I have to admit it. I did. Well, did he know it then? He had heard of it, yes. He probably did. Yeah, he'd probably just say I heard of it. Well, it's funny because I did. I was worried that he would, like you said, he'd be an ass, but he was actually just amazing, and it was, uh, it was, it was. Oh, no. We part. We had our picture taken together, and um, he looked a lot older than I expected. I have to say, have um, you? Because I always thought of him as that young, you know, guy with the long hair, and yeah. suddenly he was a grown up. Fine, but he was still a darling. He was still an absolute darling. Still had a great voice. Have you? And heard- I used to sing a lot of their songs live like a man is in love and you know all that fisherman blues yeah have you heard the new his his new album no i haven't oh it's it's called um out of all this blue and it's very uh nashville um influenced we all end up there because scots are so good and that's my next thing i've got to do a country record because i think a lot of the wild colonial the first record, Spark, for instance, a lot of people thought they had a country twang, you know, because we have that sort of role. And um, I'm just dying. That's my next thing. I'm going to have to do something like that in the future. I want to do a really lovely, but write it myself, the way I always try and write the songs. I don't want to just cover songs, you know. You want to do your own country I, take. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll do a country record. That's the great thing about now being at this age you know I've det- now I'm going to like, start a fashion company and I want to do a private club here that's basically half Scottish half French and I've got all these ideas but this time I want to make some money yeah. so that I can <laughs> actually do stuff that I want you know you never make any money in music well you know I'm, hope- I'm hoping this podcast somehow turns into a money maker <laughs> well how does it make money than a podcast I have no idea. I just right I now I'm, I'm doing it as as uh, buy, sorry. But do people buy podcasts? No, no, they download them. I think it's basically I have to look into the money part of it. I don't I don't really know. Uh, I, oh, I would get advertisers. That's how. You mean like people will buy? They'll hear me and buy the record. They'll hear you buy the record, and then I could Hopefully. say, and I can also say, you know, this podcast sponsored by. Latex balloons. <laughs> oh, brilliant. 
Um, can I ask you about the charity song you, you did and, and why you chose to do Here Comes the Sun? Um, uh, very good question. That Here Comes the Sun, I had done it years ago for a film and they didn't use it. And um, many years later, my friend would play it a lot in his apartment and he was sharing the apartment with a guy called Seamus Ohini. And Seamus is an incredibly gifted DP who did films like Atonement and Avia, even he's just massively brilliant and he called me one day and he's like Andrew that version of the song you did is so brilliant I want to make a video for it and I was like really and he he you know I mean he's a DP he brought in like millions of dollars worth of lighting so um, my friend Jason Beck who's a director they got together and we made that video that's on YouTube and um that's the, and then we gave it to Sweet Relief because they were looking for a song and that was the song. So that's how that came about because yeah. the GP loved the song. I mean, otherwise nobody would have ever heard it probably. But again, your voice on that has like a, a like it's 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 very soothing and and I want to say again vulnerable. I, I just there's there's something about it that just makes me feel very safe well, when I hear good. your voice. Well, when if you meet me in person, I'm quite bubbly and big and lots of lots of personality so I think my vulnerable side comes out in the you know I'm the oldest of four kids who looked after the kids I'm very bossy and very this that and the next thing but I think underneath it all that's that's you know that's where your voice I mean I could sing when I was younger I would sing when I was a kid at parties obviously I had a big voice and they were always trying to make me sing but it was never the thing I thought I wanted to do I was much more cerebral and in the art and I, I went to drama school I wanted to be an actress and did that for a long time and recently I've been doing it again. I did a couple of episodes on the Nick. And I did, um, I've just done a movie in Hollywood about Mary Pickford, who's the big, you know, she was the famous first actress of United Artists with Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. And I play her mother. And, you know, I've done a, a little bit of, I'm just basically exploring all the lovely things that I've not done because suddenly I was a musician and it was shocking. You know, one minute I'm like, I used to work at EMI and I worked at, you know, a television station. I had a fabulous life, but I wasn't really doing anything artistic. And the problem is I'm kind of like good at two or three things. So when you're good at two or three things, you never really focus. So the music just pulled me out of that, made me, I mean, I've been doing it for 20 years now. And I kept thinking, well, next next month I'll stop this, you know, and do what I want to do. <laughs> Even though I love, I love singing live. I don't really like particularly the studio and I don't particularly like touring. So for me, it's like the last thing I wanted was, to be famous, you know, that, that this, the thought of that was horrifying to me because I didn't want to be like, like, you know, a pop star or something. I didn't yeah. want to be like, and, and when you're in a record label, you're basically a can of beans, you know, you're a product and, and they're trying to, you, you know, they'll have you at 24 hours a day, you know, it nearly killed me just going one, one world tour. So if you, if you, you need to be very hungry, you want that kind of fame, you know, and I'm just not like that. So that's why I do my weekly I do my residencies, whatever city I'm in. I do a thing called Angela's Big Night Out, which okay. I do now in LA. I've been doing I've been doing it at the Standard Hotel in Hollywood, and it's just fabulous. You know, I bring up guests and and uh, I tell stories and I do a few songs, and that's me. That's my life. You know, that's what I do. Well, I hope to get there and I hope to see it. Um, uh, hopefully this, yeah, hopefully soon. Uh, can I ask you what it was like to be working with um, fellow Canadian Robbie Robertson? That's an interesting story as well. Um, he called me up, and and, and I it's quite shocking. You, know, Robbie Robertson, called you up, and um, 
And I, I was like, oh, well, hello. <laughs> he said, I know it's kind of strange. He said, but, you know, I'm making a record for the first time in 13 years. And you've been on my radar for many years. I'm a big fan of uh, the things we do. And um, and I was like, well, that's fabulous. I was like, what do you want me to do? He said, well, you know, I'm casting the album rather than picking singers. I've just cast all these characters. And you're one of the voices is what's that, it's the character. So um, I went up to Paul Allen studio here in LA, which was like ridiculous. You've never seen anything like it in your life. It was like a Star Trek film. All the doors were like, shh, shh. it was like five levels. And there was like cable cars to the top of the house. And oh, it was mad. And um, I went in there and I was, and he played uh, um, when we were young. And I was like, well, what do you want me to do? And he was like, just do what you like. So oh, wow. that was kind of short. And then he liked it and he said, well, do you want to do another one? Because we're only supposed to do one song. And then I got to do the the big mistake or the sweetest mistake or something. So um, he was an absolute darling. I loved him. And that was a shock because, you know, I mean, to me, he's like Robbie Robertson was like a mirage, you know, like Dylan or somebody. He's he's like an icon. Right. But he was an, an absolute sweetheart. I loved him. So that, that was wonderfully what a great story. Um, my daughter would kill me if I didn't mention to you that she's a huge fan and uh, she's thinking of actually, rec- she wants to do a cover of Dear Mike for her SoundCloud account, which is something she wanted me to tell you. Did she play? Sorry? What, did she play music? Uh, yeah, she plays the guitar and piano. Um, oh, good. Yeah, she just, started, she just started a few, actually this year, and my son plays bass and drum. Wonderful. Yeah, so they're. What's your daughter's name? My daughter's name. Her name is. So my daughter's name is Chloe. Chloe. Yeah. And your son. And my son is Beckett. What's it? A wonderful name. Yeah. That's a good name. And Chloe is. Sorry. Does it get shortened to Beck or Becky? Yeah, we call him Beck. We call him Becky. We call him B. His full name is Ezra Beckett Cooper Baker, and uh, we just call him by Beck. Wow, what a. He's going to have something to live up to with that name. I know. <laughs> well, we decided that names were free, so we'd give them as many as possible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I've always had a hard time finding so annoying. Um, this sort of sweetness Angela, and then this sort of congress of like McCluskey, which no American can ever pronounce. This is so funny. They say McCluskey, McCluskey. It's like, I mean, why is it so tongue-tying? You know, just follow the letters. Yeah. It's not, it's not hard. McCluskey. It's there. It's right there. It's very easy. Hey, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to let you go. This, um, you don't understand. That was lovely. So, um, well, pleasure. Just send me your, um, I don't know if I have your email already. Send me that and I'll send you some songs and bits and pieces i will and um i'm going to edit this down and get it up on my on my website shortly and get the podcast world listening angela mccluskey that's how you pronounce it mccluskey (laughs) yes yeah i know um thank you for this this has been an absolute pleasure i really appreciate it thank you jonathan take care all right my dang you too take care bye there it was there it is she was wonderful, and I think she called me sweetheart at the end. So, you know, I gotta like that. I've always been a sucker for a woman with an accent uh, and a great voice and a great band and a great uh, catalog of music that she's put out. So, again, if you have a chance, go to the iTunes store or go to her website, which is AngelaMcCluskey.com, 
Uh, and you can find them, like I said, on, on iTunes. All of her, her uh, albums, her CDs are there. Also, The Wild Colonials. There's uh, This Can't Be Life and Fruit of Life. And uh, if you ever received a uh, mixtape from me in the 1990s, uh, odds are pretty good you would have maybe had Rainbow on it or Philadelphia Story on it or Heaven and Hell, Spark, Girl, Alice. Gee, they're just off the top of my head. It's really, it's, it was a great one. It really was. And she was just a pleasure to talk to. And uh, I hope maybe I can, uh, like I said, I hope I could see her at some point uh, perform live again. It was only one time back at the Penguin Club on Elgin Street in Ottawa where I saw the Wild Colonials play. And um, obviously it was memorable because here I am 20-some years later still talking about it and given the opportunity to talk to her. So thank you again for listening. I really do appreciate it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Go to the uh, website, twolazytowrite.com, the number two, the word lazy, the number two, the word write, uh, dot com, and uh, you can send me a comment, a complaint, a question, um, a conundrum, a confabulation, a contradiction, and I don't even know any more words that start with the letter C. Um... So you can do that, or you can hit me up on Twitter at the real John Baker. On the Twitter, I want, I did want to mention that my, my daughter's SoundCloud account is uh, Chloe Baker 3 and she's on SoundCloud. You can hear some of her songs if you uh, so wanted to. Um, so thank you for listening, and I don't know who I'm going to be talking to next time, or when that's going to happen. Uh, cause there's a lot going on here in my life over the next couple of weeks. We, uh, well, we got a lot going on. That's all I can tell you. It's nothing really secretive or anything, but whatever. Uh, so I am done now. Uh, too lazy to write is the podcast. I'm your host, the real John Baker, and thank you for listening and, uh, take care of yourselves and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye now. Too lazy to write. We're